This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, February 19th, episode 2121. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. Feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? Help you, I can. Yeah. Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back. And if you live any part in the middle of the country, happy snow and ice storm. I hope you enjoyed that over the next uh, couple of days. And Christy is back. And of course, she is here the third Tuesday of every month with the Certified Horsemanship Association. And Jennifer is going to tell us what's coming up on today's show. I am coming up on today's Certified Horsemanship Association episode. We're going to have a what's coming up in the new year chat with some key members of the CHA, current mem- current president Tammy Gaynor, membership and marketing coordinator Lindsay Trockenbrot, and the long-anticipated and hard-to-get-a-hold-of membership services director, Terry Weaver. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. <laughs> That is awesome. Now she's Terry, not going to want to come listening? on at all. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I heard uh, little birdie told us yesterday on the show that you were at Flag is Up Farm uh, out at Monty Roberts' place. Yes. So when you just mentioned the snow and ice, I laugh because, you know, that is in Santa Barbara, which is kind of the central coast of California. So we flew in and out of Los Angeles International Airport. And as we're getting on the airplane yesterday, good old Southwest, always making fun. (laughs) The co-pilot says, all right, we're leaving Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a balmy 68 degrees and we're going to land in Denver where it's 10. (laughs) Would anybody like to get off the airplane? (laughs) That was pretty funny. So, yes, it was lovely, though I will admit it rained the entire time we were there. We had moments of sun, but it's going to be so nice and green this entire spring from all the rain. We're going to have, I'm sure, you Southern Californians and Central Coast Californians are going to see the snow in the background on the mountains and palm trees in the front. And that is the most beautiful scenery in the world. Maybe less fires in the spring then too, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. Now there'll be a lot more ground cover. Yeah, yeah, it was it was wonderful. So I've never been to Flag is Up, Glenn and oh, Jen, really? and it was yeah? so awesome to get to go and be there and see it. And, you know, for anyone listening, it's open to the public. They want you to come. They want you to see it. It's open. Go check it out. It was it was phenomenal. And it's an interesting place because, uh, you know, they used to own thousands, thousands of acres there. And, you know, over the years, a lot of that's been sold off so it's kind of this little oasis of a farm in the middle of other housing now right down the street from from the 
cutest little town you're ever going to see. Did you get to go into Solvang? Oh, we loved solving. We yes. got to have the Danish pancakes. You did? How good. We went to a little antique shop. And yes, we had a little a little extra day there to do a little of that kind of stuff. Good, because solving, you got to go to solving. It is just, it's plucked right out of uh, a fairy tale and plunked there in California. So uh, you guys were there, though. Jamie told us yesterday you guys were there doing certifications, right? We were, and it was so much fun to see Jamie because she was there to do a program that Monty was, Roberts was putting on, and um, we were there to certify equine facility managers, and we had 10 come. We had some come from Oregon, uh, North Carolina, California, and Colorado, so it was a great group of people. We, we had a good time. Good. So tell, tell us about um, what, kind, what kind of things do you do in the certification process for facility managers? What do they do well, when they're there? The thing that stresses them out the most is the four written tests, and I would agree with that. Um, I had to take them all in order to be a clinician. And, you know, when you haven't been to college in a while, a written test, you're like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. I never have to do this. So that was kind of a test. But after they get through those, they do skills demos. So it's everything from starting out with haltering and leading and tying and grooming, and then they have to... um, Fit tack, English and Western tack. They have to explain it while they're fitting it and how it works and why they fit it the way they do. And then we get into things like trailer loading. We get into things like how you hitch up a gooseneck, how you hitch up a bumper pull, um, different things like poultice wraps and bandaging, um, other types of veterinarian care, like taking the temp and the pulse of a horse, all the different places to take a pulse. And did you know that there are eight places to take a pulse on a horse? Eight. Uh, I knew about one. Yeah, I didn't know about eight, and I was a clinician. <laughs> the person that did it who ended up being a clinician for us, we certified him to be a clinician. He's like, there's eight places for the pulse. I'm like, oh, I think I knew three. Wow, already <laughs> then. So I was very impressed by that guy. That was great. Are there, um, eight, there and- are not eight places to take the temperature, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Just one of those. Just one of those. oh but yes all those kinds of things and then um they even get into having to get a budget and the budget of this barn is going into the red and they have to put it into the black and make it solvent again so they have to write an essay about that and how that works and they have to know the difference between i9 w9 w4 1099 so all that kind of hr stuff too so everything it's like the full gamut of running your own program or running a program for someone else and that's probably the most important thing they do right there well and the business and marketing yeah. stuff is what most of us don't do right, right. because we're out with horses so right. yeah and that's what you want to do you want to be out with horses yet you know <laughs> the other part's still pretty important absolutely very important and i see here and you're making me so jealous now and you're making jennifer jealous too because we 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 visited there when we were in nashville and that's the gaylord hotel you guys are going to the gaylord hotel Yes. Now, this is not for a certification. This is for those that are listening that are into camping, whether you're a YMCA, Boy Scout, Girl Scout camp, Christian camp, anybody that does um, the camping side of the horse industry. American Camp Association has about 40% of their members are doing the horse camping side. And I get to go to Nashville, Tennessee. They're having their big international conference at the Gaylord. They have normally 1,500 people in attendance. Wow. It's a big event. And I'm going to be there 
horse person to talk about the horse stuff. Kind of like when you go to the podcast, you mm-hmm. know, you're the one that sticks out. I stick out at this thing a little bit, but it's, it's really fun. Um, but you know, their trade show is rock climbing walls and you know, the teepee tents and the wall tents and the Dutch ovens and all the fun things that you do at camp when you're a kid, like those big balls that you throw around inside the water. And it just goes on and on and on. It's really fun. Oh, that'd be a fun trade show to go to. It's all toys. <laughs> it is all toys. Yes. Science kits and stargazing kits and, oh my gosh, Nerf guns. And, oh yeah, it goes on and on. Hey, have you been to the Gaylord yet? You know, I have been to the Gaylord here because it just recently opened in Denver. Um, we didn't stay. We just went for the day and walked around. And then the one in Nashville, I've never stayed. I've only been in there and seen the wonderful atrium, but I've never stayed. So I'm very excited. Does the one in Denver have the atrium too? It does not. It has a big lazy river and all kinds of cool stuff, but it does not have the atrium, no. We were there at Christmas for the, I th- it was around Christmas, wasn't it, Jennifer? We went to the Gaylord and saw the Christmas decorations there in that huge yeah. atrium, which is the size yeah. of 25 football fields. Um, oh. It's really cool. It was really neat. They have one in Orlando, too, but we haven't been to that one. Well, that's very cool. Oh, right and what else you got going on? Well, the only other thing that's coming up quickly is uh, for those of you that live in Denver or want to come here, the Rocky Mountain Horse Expo is happening the first weekend of the month, and that's always a very fun event to go to. Um, We're going to have a booth there, so stop by and say hello to us if you do come into town. Where's that at? And it's at Denver at the National Western Stock Show Complex. It's at the Stock Show? Okay. It is. And it's it's a good one. It's all horses, anything you would want to know. Again, the trade show is all about the horses. It's kind of like the equine affair, but here in Denver. So that's that's what um, we do every year, the beginning of March. Okay. And, you know, it is a Rocky Mountain horse, I suppose, so it's in the right place. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't work if it was in Florida, yeah. the Rocky Mountain horse. <laughs> you want to have that in Wellington. Uh, <laughs> so, so the American Youth Council also uh, has something coming up. And, you know, it's funny because you have here in the notes, American Youth Council Symposium is in Moscow. And I went, really? <laughs> totally oh, you were thinking yes, all the way in yes, Russia. Yes, I was thinking, no, why are they only American Russia. Youth Council in Moscow? <laughs> it's like... It's in Idaho. And for those of you that own an Appaloosa, that's where the Appaloosa Horse Club's located. So we get to tour the Appaloosa Horse Club and Museum while we're there. And the American Youth Horse Council is the umbrella organization for those that are in equine extension and all the universities and also 4-H and all your different breed and discipline associations. I was on their board for 13 years a while back. Um, Now I'm not on their board, but I still get to go and occasionally speak. So I'm excited to see all of my people from there and anyone listening, it's open to the public. So if you're in Idaho or close by, it's right by Washington. Come on over. What's Moscow, Idaho like? It just sounds cold. You know, this is going to be my first time ever. This is a state I've never been to. Really? I thought you've been you've been everywhere, literally. Well, you know, I was looking and I have like six states left and this is one of them. <laughs> so I'm excited. Oh, well, the next month you have to tell us what Moscow, Idaho is like. I'm assuming it's like Colorado was 40 years ago would be my guess. <laughs> Before, uh, <laughs> what do they call it? Gentrification? Before gentrification? Yes. <laughs> And I can probably say before we Californicated it, because I'm from California and a lot of us migrated here. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Your first guest is ready. 
Oh, I'm so excited. This is uh, Tammy Gaynor. And Tammy grew up around horses, beginning her professional career as a trail guide, actually as a large at a large ranch camp, just talking about camps. And that's where she was first introduced to CHA. Then she joined the instructor staff at Pegasus Farms, which is a therapeutic equestrian center in Hartville, Ohio, where she currently is. She works at the farm um, and also spent a lot of time, you know, with her own three children back in the day. Now all of her children are grown up and she has not only gotten her CHA instructor certification, but also her PATH, International Instructor Certification. They manage 275 plus students each week and all of their students participate in such things as riding, driving, vaulting. They have a big veterans program and a youth at risk program as well. She's also an AQHA professional horseman and I guess the most important thing is she's our current president, which means, Glenn and Jen, that she's my boss. So be nice. <laughs> I think we've met a lot of wow. your bosses over the years. Hi, Tammy. Yes, you have. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. How are you? Good. So I, I can vouch for Christy. She does a great job. I, so Thanks, Glenn. I, I, I thought I'd throw yeah, that yeah. in there just in case. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Tammy, how is, is your great. weather right now in Ohio? Uh, actually, um, in Ohio, it's 30 some degrees and snowing and blustery and cold and <clears throat> sun shining a little bit, but, but not too bad. But I am actually talking to you from Arizona right now. That's right. On my short little winter retreat. So I am in Phoenix where, um, it's a little chilly. <laughs> <laughs> But no complaining in comparison yeah. to the folks at home in Ohio. No complaining. Right? The sun is shining. The sun is shining. So I'm very, very thankful for that. So, yeah. Well, Glenn and I were chatting earlier, and we'll have to get into this after we talk a little bit about your role with CHA, about all the different acronyms and all the different terminology debates going ah, on right yeah. now in uh, the world that you're involved in. So I think we'll definitely talk about that here in a bit. But we'll start with, um, tell us, how long have you been involved with Certified Horsemanship Association and why? Well, interesting. Um, Christy, you had mentioned about me working at a, a large ranch camp in Southern Ohio. That is basically where I got my start in CHA. Um, the director there was one of the um, early, early members of CHA and helped um, develop some of the, the manuals and such. And uh, I was working there as a volunteer, and he just felt that not only um, his staff, but any volunteers that were working with students and horses uh, needed to be certified. So he put me through my first certification clinic in 1990, and I was hooked. I was hooked. I was just amazed with the organization, even in its early days, its emphasis on safety and um, just all of its aspects that I was hooked from there. Um, so I worked there for several, several years um, and uh, also continued as I went to Pegasus, um, continued to go to clinics um, as I um got more experience teaching and was riding with several trainers to um, increase my certification level until in 2000, I um, received my master's instructor in the standard uh, certification. And now in 2019, you're the president of our board. That's I quite am the, journey. the president of the board, which, <laughs> which is, um, 
it, it, it's amazing uh, just to, you know, to develop and watch this organization from 1990, which at that point, you know, it was, it was still in its fairly, um, you know, middle years, but just to watch the organization grow and develop through the years and to be a part of that. I did start on the board um, in 2007 I was invited um, and uh, voted on to the board of directors for CHA and have held many different positions through those years from secretary, treasurer, um, chairperson of the uh, education and training committee um, um, to finally into the president triad. So what so, are you um, thinking? I, I, I know every to- president has their you know, goals for the organization, what are, because you're just starting this journey, what are you thinking in that realm? Well, I think I'm going to start with Chrissy, you know, you know, I've discussed this a lot, but um, something that's unique and I really want our listeners to understand about um, CHA and how their board of directors runs. We actually run um, sort of on our president, what we call a triad. So when you are nominated um, into a presidency position, you start as two years of president-elect, two years president, and then two years past president. So in actuality, it's a six-year commitment. It's not a two-year commitment. Um, This is something I've really felt that has allowed our long-term strategic goals to be carried through, is having um, the the president and then the president-elect kind of in that training phase and then the past president um, in that mentoring phase is really allowed for CHA to develop and grow in their long-term plans to be carried through in a seamless way. Um, Some of the things that I feel as far as during my presidency are just a continuation, one of the major ones, and I know um, your next guest too is our amazing membership director, um, Terry Weaver, who's going to talk a little bit more in depth about the database that we've installed. But that I see is one of our great long-term goals of implementing that database. Um, we spent several years looking for something that would fit uh, so that we were not that round peg in a square hole or square peg in a round hole, um, but it would really fit our membership organization. Um, and and you and Terry did such a great job researching and found this database, and we started implementing it last year and moving it into um, our membership organization, upgrading that. And again, Terry's going to talk more in depth about that, so I don't want to um, <clears throat> even pretend that I know what she knows. <clears throat> um, but that as we progress is to look into um, next our certification clinic process that um, we will be able to use this database to allow for a more immediate support for our horse, our host sites in organize, organizing and implementing their clinics and eventually streamlining their registration process for the potential instructor participants to register and ensuring that they get all of the necessary information um, that they need to go into a clinic well-prepared um, to attend. And I think also along with this venture is um, our major updating of all of our paperwork associated with our clinics. Um, Another second goal I 
feel is also um, in our educational piece, you know, making sure that our manuals are current, are always updated to current industry standards and also to develop more educational materials for those, not just our new instructors, but our long-term instructors that have been in this business and this profession for years, that we also provide some good, solid um, professional development for them. Um, as many know that we have uh, a good number of our CHA safety shorts that are on YouTube um, that we've put out for years, but um, also some DVDs and um, that we do at each international conference. But to eventually make them more accessible to our membership and uh, to all of those in the horse industry. So I really feel like those are two major um, goals that uh, I look to um, assist in accomplishing in my tenure as president and then also um, as I move to past president. I would agree, Tammy, and I love all of that. And I'll tell you, I think you're right about you know, education is really our key. And what's fun about the show today is, you know, we're having people on to talk a little bit, of course, about CHA, but now we get to jump into what I love so much is that we are truly all breed, all discipline. And so we're going to go ahead and for those that are listening that are involved in um, equine assisted activities um, and therapies, have a little conversation. So Tammy, and I'm getting, I'm deviating a little bit from um, the questions that we kind of discussed, but right before we got on the show today, Glenn and I were having a conversation about all the acronyms in our industry and how EAAT and E, what is it, Equine Assisted Learning, EAL, and all these different things. Could you just have kind of a, a oh 50,000 foot view of all of that kind of terminology and some of the things that you see changing and morphing with that? Okay. Um, oh, I will do my best, <laughs> but it is, it is an alphabet soup to be sure. Um, so equine E-A-A-T, Equine Assisted Activities and ther Therapies, um, Therapeutic Activities, um, is kind of that general umbrella of um, term. And then you move into uh, Equine Assisted Learning is a term that's been used where um, more in the realm of working with youth at risk, um, and teaching whether it's unmounted or riding or driving or whatever, um, that we use horsemanship skills to assist in teaching life skills. Um, so that's kind of that. And then there's this very new narrow equine facility psychotherapy, which is really a very, very narrow um, area that, has to have a psychotherapist and a um, an equine specialist um, to um, to conduct those uh, those sessions, and those are led by the psychotherapist. Just, so it's not horsemanship skills; it's working in psychotherapy. Is that where all the vet new veterans counseling. programs you see popping up fall under? They fall under that. No, okay. no, they don't. Okay. No, they don't. Our, vet, our veterans program, we would kind of put it under the equine-assisted learning. Okay. Um, our veterans program, which we um, do, we consistently have about 20 to 25 veterans um, every week. We've also opened a second facility, a military family center, 
Um, so that is just in its early stages of developing. But, you know, we do horsemanship skills. Um, they start with unmounted uh, sessions, unmounted lessons, learning about the horse, just general of the horse, um, moving into riding or carriage driving, whatever fits them and what they're looking for. Um, so again, that EFP, that psychotherapy is very, very narrow. Um, it does exist in the veterans um, programs and in the youth at risk. But again, it's not a term that you can blend overall. And sometimes that's where um, the confusion comes. But when equine assisted learning is an instructor, a riding instructor, a certified instructor, teaching the horsemanship lesson with possibly having the counselor there on hand to um, process afterwards. Um, all of those wonderful, amazing lessons that we learn from the horses, that we get from the horses, um, because they live in the here and now, and we have intuitive experiences with the horses. Um, and when the veterans work with them, you know, learning confidence, um, dealing with their environment, um, the counselor can then later um, use those experiences that they have with the horses to process, you know, possibly other things that they may be going through. Got it. Does I appreciate you. Yeah. It does. And I appreciate you bringing this up because I think there is some confusion. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm, I do therapy. And, you know, unless you're a therapist, right, um, or you have a therapist Correct. on hand, yes. Yes. you're not really doing mm -hmm. therapy. You're doing equine-assisted learning. Correct. And But if you're, what is it Correct. now? And I'm going to make sure, make sure I'm correct. You're either a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, a speech-language pathologist. Those are all the things that kind of can also go with this. But you need one of them Correct. and your horse expert in order to do therapy. Am, am I correct in saying that? Correct. Absolutely okay. correct. Yes. And that's where therapeutic equestrian is equestrian that has therapeutic benefits. But as a, as a therapeutic instructor, I am teaching horsemanship skills. Um, but there are therapeutic benefits that are derived mm. from that. Got it. Right. So such as, you know, self-confidence, you know, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, all of those things that come naturally, again, in working with horses, you know, small buckles, large buckles, saddling, you know, sequencing, you know, run the full gamut of all those skills that can be learned um, through that. But again, yes, therapy is a very narrow, must have a therapy, a therapist. So for the people listening, they're at Pegasus. Can you explain kind of what you do and maybe give us some examples of where it's just really been profound and really helped your students that come? Okay. Um, I think, you know, along with, um, besides the veterans that we talked about, our youth at risk programs are, um, are growing and developing, working with um, prevention programs through schools, um, uh, we're currently working with a, an alternative school. Um, and again, we are um, teaching horsemanship skills. This is all unmounted that we're working with them, um, learning to be that leader to the horse, developing the relationship with the horse, respect, um, working with our horse with confidence um, so that our horse can trust us. Um, all of those things carry over 
for the student back to the classroom where they have more confidence to um, to attempt to um, to explore um, things that are unfamiliar to them, um, confidence to you know to um, to step out of their comfort zones, um, confidence to um, speak to those, speak to others. Um, you know those ones. I always think of. Um, we have a program that we've been running now through um, our family court system. It's a 10-week summer course. And um, something that the judge always comments is the beginning of that 10 weeks, um, these, although they're predominantly boys, we occasionally do have girls, um, but this particular program is mostly boys, that the young men will start into our program you know, they'll come into our courtroom, they answer with just one short yes, no, um, never have eye contact, are slouched in their, their posture. He said, never fails by the end of those 10 weeks. These young men are looking at me with eye contact. They are answering me confidently, um, and they are looking to their future. So of you know so what they want to do when they you know grow up. I taught I taught sales for a long time, and one of the things we talked about is the levels of learning. And I'm not going to get into that now, mm-hmm. but what I want to know, everybody knows about the light bulb moment, and that happens in every level, really, that you do in your level of learning. Can you can you physically right. and emotionally see when those light bulbs come on with those kids? And I know it happens at a different time during that program for all the kids, mm-hmm. but do you see the light bulbs coming on? Mm-hmm. It, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it usually happens about week three, no, about week four or five. Mm. You know, week one, um, I'm not sure I want to be here. Yeah. You know, I'm scared. I'm not, you know, um, to about week five. Wow. Oh, you know, when they start, the horse starts responding to them, you know, when they're walking it down, you know, or going, going through a pattern and the horse is following their body language and, you know, and moving with them, that light bulb. Yes. I definitely see the light bulb. And the, and the thing about the eye contact, um, you know, they're not looking at me when I'm talking to them that first, those first couple of weeks, but by week four and five, when I'm saying, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do today. And I see 10 sets of eyes turn and look straight at me. I think, wow, you know, that, that just fills me with, it's, it's just unbelievable to know, you know, that's where that, that change comes, that internal change comes for, well, for these young men. So let me, sorry, Christy. Oh, you're curious. fine. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so if the program was, so that you said happens at week three or four for most of them. So, so yeah, are you going to accomplish time. anything if it was only one to two weeks? I know you're going to accomplish something, but would you have a light bulb moment with a lot of those kids or do you really need that length of time? Um, I think it's better to have that length of time, but I have seen, you know, just a, a one time, you know, two hour session, two or three hour session. So I have seen it. You know, everybody walks out with something. So Um, I wonder, though, and this is where I come back to having, you know, read a lot and dealt with, uh, you know, 
you know, substance abuse of people we know and going to going to rehab and all of that. And of course, the longer the rehab session, the longer you're at rehab, the better, the less chance of recidivism, less chance of doing it again. And I wonder if that yeah. isn't true in this case too. Is the if the you know the rate of recidivism is not is that even a word the way I said it? But is is it higher or is it less the longer they go? And I that's probably true. I mean, we could if it was tracked, it would probably I think so, yeah. 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 It would be wonderful to be able to track that. Yeah. You know, I see occasionally as, yeah, as adults, you know, out in the community that were in the program when they were in high school, you know, and the ones who have carried over the one program that we do um, through a high school we've done since 2002. And it's a four year program for them. So they start when they're freshmen, they come in once a month for three hour um, their entire school year, the ones that have carried through all four years from freshman to senior, we see a much higher success rate, you know, in graduation and moving on to college or moving on to a vocation. Um, Got it. So, yeah, that makes sense. It would be interesting yeah. to, uh, to track that at some point. All right, well, Christy, thing, I'll give it back to you now. Oh, you're fine. One thing that's so good about, I think, this space within the equine industry is that it is one of the ones that's finally having monies put into doing research, finally. Um, and yeah, I know yeah. I'm, I sit on the Colorado State University Equine Advisory Council, and Dr. Wendy Woods, of course, is very active in doing that research. And, of course, Dr. Temple Grandin Equine Center is being built right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a lot of that kind of... Uh, research happening so i bet it's just a matter of time glenn when that's going to be tracked yeah. for sure yeah and it's getting big enough yeah. now that people yeah. care yeah. about tracking that stuff you know right uh, so I, yeah that's yeah. you have to get to the yeah. point where people care and you know uh, people outside of us mm-hmm. right yeah. well right. and they're claiming that this is right. one of the largest growing segments of our equine industry as a whole is eaat mm-hmm. um so i find that fascinating right. too so tammy for those that are listening that maybe are just starting out as barn owners or instructors in this um, type of work or are interested, what are some tips that you have having done this for so many years? Mm, I would say research, research, research. Um, And also find, find a strong mentor that's who not only is certified, but has been in the business for many years successfully. Um, whether, you know, find someone who's willing to mentor you, whether you travel to where they are um, and find someone that's willing to spend the time with you to answer all your questions and assist you in developing a plan. Um, Through the years, I've had uh, most recently um, four ladies from Texas came and spent an entire week at our facility. Um, And so just, you know, finding that good, solid mentor that is interested in walking with you through your journey um, and your certifications, you know, developing, you know, moving on to uh, certification. I can't emphasize that enough. So, Tammy, um, how do folks find you? Obviously, they can see, find you on our database, chainstructors.com, but what is um, Pegasus's uh, website address? Uh, Pegasus is www.pegasus, P-E-G-A-S-U-S, farm, just one farm, dot org. Um, or my email is Tammy, T-A-M-M-I, at pegasusfarm.org. 
So either of those would be a wonderful way Very to good. find out about our organization and to find me. And if you could explain where exactly in Ohio are you for those that are aware <clears throat> of the state? Okay, we are a little over an hour south and just a little east of Cleveland. Very good. So if people wanted to, they could do call and go into Cleveland Airport would make the most sense too to find you. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cleveland, Akron, Canton. We're about 20 minutes um, close to Akron. <clears throat> so again, south and a little bit east of Akron. And all I hear is lake effect snow and a lot of cold. That's what you just heard. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> what you hear. <laughs> Amish oh, country, cold, though, up there, cold, too, though. Cold. It's pretty up there in the summertime. Uh, it's, it's, it is. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I, I and, would trade it. You dig it all the four seasons very distinctly. <laughs> and they have an indoor. They have an indoor. It's okay. <laughs> we have a beautifully heated indoor. There you beautifully. Go. And and Chrissy's going to come visit us in March, so she will find out. Uh, <laughs> and March yeah. is the height of blizzard season, too. So perfect, It'll Christy. be good for me. <laughs> yeah. It'll be good for me. <laughs> Bring your skis. Yeah, Tammy's hosting, <laughs> Tammy's hosting one of our Instructors of Writers with Disabilities <clears throat> certification, and I'm going to go check it out because that is not um, an area that I know much about, so I'm excited to see it. So thank you, Tammy, thank so you, Tammy. much for being yeah. on the show today. Take care. Oh, no problem. And thank you so much. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Christy. All right, I think you'll keep your job for another couple of days. Yeah, you think so, yeah, maybe? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, it is interesting, though. I was asking those questions because we get Google alerts for every news story that's about a horse in the world. I mean, and there are hundreds of them every day, right? But half of those lately in the United States have been about uh, equine-assisted therapy for veterans. Yeah. programs that are popping up all over the country. That really has been the thing that's beca it's become a buzzword. It's, it's hit the mainstream media. And you know, you know, I don't care what hits the mainstream media, as long as it's horses and, and positive and light, uh, that's good for all of us. And it's really good for the veterans and it's good for these programs. So that's why I was asking her about it. Oh, it's so wonderful. Yeah. Yes. And she's been doing it so long and it is for anyone that's interested in finding out more about it. There's definitely a lot to be said for it. And there's also, which I think is important for those of you that are nonprofits, there's grant money in this. I mean, there's definitely foundations that want to help support your work that you do. Yep. Very good. All right. Uh, moving on, right? Yes. Yeah, so our next guest, very excited to welcome uh, Lindsay Trockenbrot to us. She is a native of Fayetteville, North Carolina. She's been involved in the equine industry her entire life. Growing up, she rode and showed in a variety of disciplines, hunter seat, dressage, western, and eventing. She's a graduate of St. Andrews University there in North Carolina, where she got not only her bachelor's degree in equine management, but also her MBA. Um, she competed while there on the Intercollegiate Dressage Association and Intercollegiate Horse Show Association teams, and she actually got to go to nationals three years for dressage and rode to a third-place finish in first level when she was there at the championships in Massachusetts. After she graduated, she worked as an assistant dressage trainer at Encore Sport Horse, as well as grooming for international show jumper and Olympian Kent Farrington. Lindsay then returned to her alma mater as a riding instructor and coach, and now we are so lucky to call her one of our own. She is our membership and marketing coordinator in Lexington, Kentucky. Hello, Lindsay. Hi, Christy. Hi, Glenn. How are you guys? Good. I was hoping there'd be a little bit of a North Carolina accent in there, and there was. <laughs> Good. Well, 
<laughs> some people say it's there, some people not. So. <laughs> and what's so neat, Glenn and Jen, about having Lindsay on the show is I actually haven't even met her yet. Welcome to being a remote employee, right? And how we run, <laughs> how we run everything. So here I get to talk to her on the phone all the time, but I'm not going to actually meet her until our board meeting in April. That's kind of funny. Looking forward to it, though. <laughs> yes, it'll be really good. So tell us, Lindsay, about your um, journey and how you found out about us and why you decided to uh, join our team. Okay, well, um, like you said, I'm a native to North Carolina. I've lived there my entire life. And we, my, my husband and I just recently moved to Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, my mentor, Carla Wimberg, who I worked with for many years at St. Andrews, um, you know, is very involved in CHA. She's an instructor and clinician. And um, she mentioned to me that, you know, CHA was looking for somebody. So I then talked to Amber Zicke, who I've gotten the chance to know very well over the years through IHSA, um, and obviously is very involved in CHA, being a clinician, as well as serving on the executive committee. So she told me that the office was still looking for a membership and marketing coordinator. So I went ahead and got all my information and sent it in um, to start the application process. And I was excited to get an interview. Then the job was offered to me shortly after. So here I am. I'm very excited. And we're very excited to have you. This is going to be a, a wonderful journey. So, you know, in St. Andrews, um, for people that maybe are interested in finding out more about that school, could you tell us a little bit about where exactly it's located and what the school's all about? Oh, absolutely. Um, so St. Andrews is located in Laurenburg, North Carolina. It's kind of the southern part of the state. We're only maybe five minutes from the South Carolina line. Um, and it's it's a wonderful school. It's, it's a unique experience. It's a very small private school. Um, the equestrian program actually is what brought me in. After visiting the facilities, I was hooked. You know, it sits on 300 acres. It has you know, four barns, over 100 stalls. It has indoor covered arenas, several outdoor arenas, fields to ride and jump around in. Um, it's just a, a really cool atmosphere if you're really involved in the equine industry. Um, one thing that really enticed me are that the instructors and staff are very influential and they're very helpful in reaching your goals, both on horseback and finding connections outside of the school for internships, job opportunities. It's a great school for networking because it has a wide variety of people that are in the industry or were in the industry. So they have a lot of connections. So it, it really guides you in any direction you really want. Um, so, I, again, I could talk all day long about the equestrian program, but, you know, the academic side is also a very cool experience. Um, as I mentioned, St. Andrews is a very small school. It has less than 1,000 students, to be honest. Um, but it's the academic buildings and campus, it sits on a beautiful lake with extraordinary landscaping and views. So every day is just, it's fun to be on the campus because it's pretty to look at. It's a very historic site. Um, with everything right there, it felt like an, its own little community. Even if you lived in the furthest dorm and had to go to the furthest classroom, it was only a 10-minute walk. So it's really, it's not that bad of a, a campus to get everything in. Um, with the size of the school, most classes had maybe about 15 to 20 students in them. I love the smaller class sizes because it made the learning experience more personal. It allowed for more versatility in the teaching as well. Like if the weather was nice, we would have class in the courtyard, or if it was an equine class, we could have a lab or a practicum day out at the farm. It sure beats sitting in the classroom for lectures on end, I will say that. Um, the hands-on experience 
further the learning experience, in my opinion. Plus, it also held you accountable. It's hard to go unnoticed when you skip class and you only have 15 people in the class. So <laughs> it's just a very fun experience. It's unique, and you know, I could talk about it all day long. I loved it. Well, and what's so great for those people that are listening, you know, when I actually first saw IDA, I'm like, huh, I need to think a little bit more about this. So it's neat how there's so many more intercollegiate programs coming up for people to do. So could you explain a little bit about IDA and IHSA to everyone listening? Absolutely. So IDA is the Intercollegiate Dressage Association, and it's an intercollegiate um, sport. So you have teams all across the country that compete in divisions from intro, training level, and first level. So you, it's basically catch riding. So you, you go to a show, a, a school that hosts the, the show, provides all of the horses, all of the equipment, the facilities, literally everything. And you go and you basically draw a horse out of a hat. And what's unique about the dressage is that you get a 10-minute warm-up on this horse. So you have 10 minutes to figure out the horse's better abilities, to figure out maybe what it's weaker at, and then come up with a strategy of how you're going to present this horse to the judge and get a respectable score out of it. Um, So it was very fun for me because it really enhances your riding abilities. It's not just riding your horse day in, day out, take it to a show. Um, This kind of takes it to another level because you do have such a limited time to adapt to that horse. And to, you know, the added pressures of competition and showing it off. Um, IHSA, which is the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, is a very similar association, um, still working with intercollegiate teams. Um, This just includes hunt seat equitation, um, equitation over fences, western horsemanship, and reining. Um, And again, it's very similar format. The host school, you know, they, they host everything, they provide everything. If you are not the host school, you basically show up with your show clothes and your game face on and you go on. Um, a little bit different with IHSA is that you still draw your horse um, at a random draw, but you don't get any warm-up whatsoever, whether you're riding over fences or a reining pattern. You just get on the horse, you adjust your stirrups, um, you get a little pep talk from your coach, and then ride into the ring in front of the judges you go. So it's it's a very challenging but rewarding experience for sure. Definitely levels the playing field, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And they try to keep the horses as even as possible, but everybody who works with horses know they have a mind of their own. So you do have that challenge of adapting real quick to the changes that are happening, you know, at every second. So for those that are listening that maybe um, are wanting to get involved, perhaps coaching at a local school, maybe they want to do that, or maybe they want to attend a school that has a program like this, or just kind of learn a little bit more about it. Um, what are some tips that you recommend, let's say, first of all, on the student side and then on the coach side, since you've obviously done both? Um, well, I would say the first thing is go find a show near you and watch. That's exposure is probably the the number one thing to to find out all of the, the answers to your questions. Um, IHSA has over 400 member colleges in 45 states in Canada. It represents 10,000 members, again, in the Hunt Seat and the Western Divisions. Um, so it's pretty easy to find an IHSA-sanctioned show near you. Um, I would also suggest going to their website, IH, IHSAinc.com. 
Um, you can find out, honestly, all the information. You can find out the history of it. Bob Cashione is the founder. You can read all about that. Um, if you're interested in starting a team, you can also use the website to learn about the requirements for the intercollegiate team participation. You can also locate your region, who the regional president is, and have a conversation with them. If you're interested as a student or as a, a coach wanting to start a team, your regional president always has some great advice, some good answers. Um, I would suggest introducing yourself either in person at a horse show, shoot them an email, give them a phone call, and just let them know what you're interested in and let them help you guide you to your start in IHSA. Like I said, they they have abundance amount of information and they're always willing to help grow the, the organization and they want to expand it out as much as possible. What I loved, I founded and coached the team at CU Boulder here in Colorado years mm -hmm. ago. And what was so fun for me is, you know, growing up, I never had access to um, really top quality show horses. You know, my parents were not involved in the industry. We didn't have that kind of backing to be able to do that. So everything I rode was always catch riding anyways. People would say, hey, can you hop on this horse and get it to quit spooking? Can you hop on this horse and get it to quit bolting or whatever? So I was always riding a variety. So I never really did well in horse shows because I always had a horse that spooked or bolted or did something like that. So I never really had one. And then all of a sudden I became um, a team member um, before I started to coach it, you know, and I was starting to ride in IHSA and I went, okay, this is really now very fair because I don't have to have a quality show horse. I can ride anything and they're giving me the quality show horse. And because I ride okay, wow, I can actually do okay in these horse shows. So it was such a really, like I said, level the playing field experience. Just loved it. Absolutely. And that's why I love IHSA so much. It's so rewarding because it gives that opportunity to any type of rider. We have divisions all the way from walk jog to open. So we have riders who have never even sat on a horse before. They come in, we teach them to ride in the walk jog division. And then we have riders who constantly ride at Congress. They're at the AQHA World Show. And they're getting the same successes because, like you said, it is that even playing field. And that's just what's so rewarding to me is watching these these riders figure this out and, you know, it's very re rewarding to see them improve and mature into respectable horsemen. So Lindsay, I know you've only been with us for just a few months, um, but what are some of your goals and excitement and things that you are looking forward to working for certified horsemanship? Well, I'm definitely excited for the opportunity to get more involved um, in CHA and, and, you know, getting my instruction um, and everything, but it's, it's fun to me because I get to hone in on a different skill set. You know, for years I've been working in the field, if you will, being a groom, trainer, instructor, coach. I've always worked directly with the horses in the industry. But now I can add to my experience, experiences and utilizing the skills I've acquired through earning my MBA. You know, I took a particular interest in the marketing aspect of my studies, and I'm really excited to be in a position that I can enhance my skills and knowledge while still being involved in the horse industry. Yes, we're very excited to have you in all of those things, and uh, it's just so much fun to have you on the show today. We're just kind of showing how, you know, there's multiple disciplines and breeds that happen within CHA, regardless if you're a member on our board or on our staff. That's kind of what we do, and we believe that there is no such thing as a bad breed or a bad discipline. That's, that is how we roll here at CHA. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the show today. We just uh, really appreciate it. And people can find her if you want to give them all of the um, information there at the office to find you. 
Yeah, so um, you can reach me on my email. It's ltrockenbroat at chainstructors.com. Um, you can also reach us by calling our office at 859-259-3399. Great. Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. See you in April. Okay. <laughs> Bye. All right. Christy, you're on a Mac, right? Um, I'm on a PC. Oh, good. That's good. Glad to hear that. We'd had to have you unplugged. For some reason, Mike's on Max. I thought it was was with you that we had to do that in the past. Um, so we're good. Uh, Jennifer is getting our next guest on the line. And, you know, over on the Plaidcast show, we do a whole, well, many of those episodes are devoted to collegiate writing and keeping up on all of that. So uh, we do keep track of that here in the Horse Radio Network over on the Plaidcast show. Yes, and that's a good show to listen to. You guys have so many different channels and things that people can listen to. It's just, it's it's a really good thing. We, t- we just, did you see, we just did, Jamie just started a new one. We just started a new one called Retired Racehorse Radio. So, um so that one just, episode one just came out, and they're going to be talking all about adopt how, how to adopt the right thoroughbred or <clears throat> standard bread, and then how to train them properly and uh, what what to do for aftercare for those special horses. So uh, trying to find that's homes for all of the horses coming off the track. That's right. And that's really important, you know, and I know that there's a lot of different programs that are doing that now. And so finding out where they are and how to get in touch with them is just a really, really good idea for all of the above. I agree. Do you, you've had thoroughbreds, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Um, I th- used to jump quite a bit, actually, back in the day. I used to jump four foot eight was the t- highest I ever jumped. But I used to be a Grand Prix show jumper many, many years ago, back when the body was a little bit more forgiving of falls from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't do that anymore. Now, now I, I don't currently own a, a pure thoroughbred. I do have um, a half thoroughbred. He's actually half Appaloosa, half thoroughbred. So I definitely still enjoy that in my life. What did you find with the thoroughbreds that was a little bit different? Um, and I'm sure Jen agrees with this too. Yeah, they're, they're well, they're hot bloods, first of all. So, you know, um, a little bit more like riding an Arabian or a thoroughbred, they're always in tune. They're always ready to go. Mm-hmm. I think they're more like a Porsche and a Ferrari, right? You put down the accelerator pedal, you're going to get something. So if you're going to use your leg, use it but make sure that you know it's going to have an effect. So I think that that's just something that's good. And they're very bright and they, they're very inquisitive and they want to learn and very athletic. All of those things are correct. Yes. <laughs> By the way, all of nodding those, her head. Uh, yeah, I think she's <laughs> nodding her head. She tried to get the next guest on, but I'm, I'm sure she would agree. And I would totally agree after having been, uh, been with many thoroughbreds over the years. Yeah, and, I used to work. I don't know if you know this, Glenn. Years ago, I worked at Santa Anita Racetrack. And in California, and I was too big, of course, to be an exercise rider or anything. So they had me learning how to do all kinds of things. Like, did you know that in a lot of the thoroughbred race barns, you pick feet all from the left side in for interest of time. You don't go around to the opposite side. Oh, so, so you just, put them uh, against the wall. You pull and you the other leg all. over underneath? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, little things like that have really helped me because then we go to adopt a horse or we go to buy a horse and it, um, a thoroughbred that wouldn't pick up its legs when you're on the right side. It's like, oh, well, they're off the track. So you have to do them all from this side and then you'd have to train it, of course, to pick up its legs from all four sides. But the little things like that that um, they used to do back when I was on the, the racetrack helping, it was really good for the future to learn about that. 
All right. Well, Jennifer is uh, having a little technical trouble, and she's going to try and get the next guest on. Why don't we play a song in the meantime, and then uh, we'll come back with your next guest. So you're, good. you're listening to Horses in the Morning, and of course, it's the Certified Horsemanship Association episode. We'll be right back. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. Thank you for being here. I have Christy on here from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Christy, give out the website again. I sure will. It's uh, www.cha.horse or chainstructors.com. All right. Jennifer has the uh, issue solved, and we have your next guest. Wonderful. So excited to introduce Terry Weaver. She is our membership services director. And during her tenure with CHA, she has served on the membership and marketing committee, as well as overseeing the operations of our entire office there in Lexington, Kentucky. She does all the functions of membership services, organizational, administrative, and accounts receivable. And it's only taken me, what, Terry, about 10 years to get you on the show? 
<laughs> it, it probably seems that long for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome. How is uh, the weather in Lexington today? Um, it's actually going to be a mild, slightly overcast February day. We've been okay. having a, a big stretch of rain, so we're thankful for the dry day today. Well, and rain is better than the ice storms you all get out there. Those scare me. We don't get those in Colorado. <laughs> those are a little yeah, intense. And, yeah, ice is, is not a not a fun thing. And speaking of that, there's probably a system moving in tonight that we don't know if it's going to be rain or snow or sleet. So. Oh. Well, tell us um, exactly how long you have been with us and what you enjoy about CHA. Why have you lasted a decade, Terry? <laughs> well, it's actually, it's been 12 wonderful years. So A long time. Um, it has been a long time, but um, very thankful and, and wonderful long time. So um, there's so many aspects of Certified Horsemanship Association that I enjoy. And number one, um, Christy, shout out to you. Um, y- your leadership, it's, it's hard to put into context, but... Um, let's just say that your passion, enthusiasm, and vision absolutely inspire me during my work day. And Glenn, it doesn't even seem like a, a normal nine to five job while working with Christy because it's so enjoyable. Well, oh, I love that. Wow. You, we're going to keep your job <laughs> then, for another couple of days. You're good, Christy. I think so. I think I'm okay. <laughs> You're doing uh, all right no, here this but, morning. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, another really enjoyable and huge aspect of, of my job is the strong sense of community within our membership. Um, our, our members are like-minded equestrian professionals that are absolutely committed to our CHA mission, you know, which is, of course, promoting excellence and safety for the benefit of the entire horse industry. So I, I, you know, we've got such a, a huge range and um, diverse membership, but I absolutely enjoy working with our members. And then um, I can't forget to mention our board of directors and our volunteers. We're blessed with a board of directors that are volunteers and do an absolutely wonderful job of guiding and overseeing CHA as a whole and pushing us along into the future. Our regional directors and state representatives are all also volunteers, and their contribution to our members and CHA in their local capacity offer additional resources that we are thankful to have on hand, absolutely. And also, I want to give a big shout-out to our Region 1 directors who are putting on the final touches um, to their Region 1 conference that is happening at the end of this month. It is. It's happening in Washington for anyone that's there. And it's a three-day event. It's it's a really big one. So that's that's mm-hmm. exciting that they're doing that. And again, it's open to anybody. Don't have to be a member to come play in our sandbox. We want to share it with everyone. So, Terry, I got to tell you something, though, um, for Glenn and Jen to understand what happened. So when I put this show out and try to market it on social media, there was a bunch of members that contacted Terry and said, we finally get to find out more about you. This is so exciting that you're going to be on the show. So it's kind of like rock star status getting her on the show after 12 years. It's good. (laughs) So for those people um, that are listening and wanting to know more about you, Terry, please tell us, and I'm going to jump around in the questions a little bit, a little bit more about your background prior to working for us. 
Well, I went to college in Nashville at Lipscomb University, and then, you know, like like most um, most folks after college, you move back home in with your parents. So <laughs> I'm originally from Michigan, so I moved back to Michigan after school, and um, I became a purchasing agent for Parker Seals' largest distributor, which is located in Farmington Hills, Michigan. And then I... Um, I became head purchaser at that point, but then I met a boy and moved to Lexington, Kentucky, and um, found myself immersed in the legal industry. So I was I was fortunate to have um, worked as a billing administrator and trainer for a really large law firm, and then I moved to office administration for a smaller, medium-sized law firm. And then um, children happened. And I took some time off to raise my children during their elementary educational years. And then right about the time that I decided, hmm, I think I'll go back to work for a little bit, um, I happened upon an ad um, from the Certified Horsemanship Association. They were moving their offices to Lexington, Kentucky, and they were looking for some local staff. So um, it was fortuitous as far as I was concerned. We... We hit it off, and Bo Winslow hired me. He was one of our former presidents, so I was fortunate to work with him for a little while. And then Christy was head of um, marketing at that point and um, quickly became our CEO soon after that. It has been good. And I'll tell you, you know, what's neat about um, Terry Glenn is she's got my back, so at the office, if somebody calls or whatever, writes it, and it's a salesperson, and she's like, I don't think Christy's going to want this one. She didn't even tell me about it. I'm like, that's good, because you can only do so much. Can I hire her, too? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. No, you can't, actually. No. No. You cannot. <laughs> so, Terry, if we could have just a little bit of conversation. Um, Tammy alluded to it a little bit, but some of the future initiatives that you're really passionate about that, um, that CHA is working on. It's our new internal and external database. Um, we we have been working with a piece of software that one of our past board members' husband, um, who is an IT specialist, um, made for CHA. But it is you know about thirty years old, and even though it its functionality is absolutely fantastic, it it. It is written in a language that no longer exists, and um, but because of that old language, it's virus-proof, so <laughs> that's always a good thing, <laughs> but um, we, um, Christy happened upon this um, database that an association that she's a member of um, was utilizing for events, and we took a good hard look at it and decided that we would be able to work with it with our with our membership and the things we wanted to do going forward into the future. So um, it's it's more interactive for our members, and I think it's going to afford the the CHA um, organization more innovative means of communicating and profiling our membership. Well, and I'm going to tell you something, Glenn, that you're also going to love about Terry. We'll be at board meetings and we'll throw out, you know, alphabet soup like we were talking about earlier. And she'll say, I don't know that acronym. 
And then we'll throw out some word. And she's like, I don't know that word. So she can totally see the forest for the trees and keep us, quote unquote, horse people in control and say, look, if you guys want to reach the masses and you want to tell parents that are looking for a place for their children to go get um, their riding lessons or go to camp or whatever and go to a CHA location, you really have to stop it with the words that they don't know and the acronyms that they don't know. So just a breath of fresh air. So from that perspective, Terry, I think it's so great to have you on the show today, for those that are listening, you know, most of us don't like the business side of this. Um, Most of us want to be in the arena, actually doing the work or out on the trail doing the work. What are your tips for folks either just getting started or folks that have been at it a long time from a business perspective that will help them be successful? Well, first and foremost, I think you you have to have a strong business plan in hand. Um, Keep your mission and your dream consistent, but know that um, as as economy and the years go by, your tactics, your marketing, and your branding may very well shift, but do not change your dream or your mission. Just fluctuate and be flexible. And then find a mentor and in, in the industry that you want to be in and seize upon the opportunity to learn from them and tap the resources that they can offer you. I'm all about tapping resources and finding um, the talent. And last but not least at all is budget, budget, budget. Um, And money and finances are usually synonymous with stress and emotions. So um, grasp any resource that you can to keep, you know, the stress and emotion at bay, you may very well need to find a mentor in that capacity as well um, if fiscal accountability is not really your forte. And one thing that Terry and I do every year for those that are listening that work with a budget, and this is something having just come off the equine facility manager certification that we talked about a lot, is um, a couple things in regards to finances is when you're doing the budget, budget income low and budget expenses high. Because if you do that, you're more likely to reach your numbers, right? Then if you're like, pie is the sky, I'm going to go for it. My income's going to be really high. And oh, I'm going to run such a, such a tight ship. My expenses are going to be low. And that doesn't quite work out. And this was interesting, Terry. This past week, we had a lot of folks there that are running 501c3 not-for-profits here in the United States. And they kept referring to um, 501c3 as a business model. And nonprofit is not a business model. It's a tax model. And we are a 501c3. And we have to always, don't we, remind our board and remind our um, volunteers that it is a tax model, not a business model. Terry and I still want to get paid. And we still want to get paid a livable wage. (laughs) So it is very much for those of you that run 501c3s, remember, you don't have to be paid peanuts. That's not how 501c3 works. If you have a solid business plan, it is a tax model based on the education you're providing and not, you know, based on business where you just have to be poor and only eat top ramen. That is not what you have to do. So that's, I think, just a good tip for those that are running nonprofits out in our equine world. So, wow, Terry, you're allowed to make a living in the horse world? Let me t- well, let me write that down. I know. Hi. You are. <laughs> Please write that down, Glenn. That's very important. That's the thing that I, always, I have messed up for the last 30 years. <laughs> well, the horse industry wouldn't be as large as it is if, if somebody wasn't making money. 
That is true. And I'll tell you, Glenn, thank goodness you do what you do for us because you're helping make the horse industry larger too, right? It takes a village. We're all out there networking and marketing and sharing and doing all of that. And I think that's what is so great for people just coming into the industry. They're like, wow, there's a lot to this. It's not just the racetrack, which I think most of the people out there think horses are at first, right? They don't know that there's so much more to it than racing. Um, it's a pretty diverse industry and a fun one to be a part of. So Terry, how do folks find you there at the CHA office since you are definitely the voice that they will hear when they call? How do they find you? Um, our phone number, 859-359. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. 859-259-3399. My apologies. And my email address is tweaver at chainstructors.com. So anybody listening, you know, if you're interested in finding out more about us between Terry, Lindsay, Tammy, and of course myself, we would love to share more with you and uh, just keep the energy going. And if you have questions, you know, we really don't mind being the 411 of the horse industry. And we certainly are sometimes with some of the questions we get, but we don't mind that at all. So keep them coming. And Terry, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure after all these years to finally have you on. <laughs> well, thank you, Glenn and Christy. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Bye. See, we didn't bite. No. no. <laughs> We're nice. You know, it always is amazing, though. We have people that are so nervous about coming on the show. And I kind of get it, you know, coming on a live show. But they don't realize we only have 12 listeners. So it's fine. <laughs> uh, live. Yeah. And then you have the recorded <laughs> listeners. And that goes a little bit. Yeah, but we always 12. tell everybody 12. That's what we tell everybody. <laughs> that it keeps them calm. Yeah, we've been telling that for the last 10 years. It's 12. It's just 12. Actually, <laughs> you only have to worry about talking to two people. Us. That's right. Yeah. That's all you're really talking to is us. That is She true. did great. See, Very now she can so. come back sooner than uh, 12 years. That's right. Yeah. She always has good tips. So we'll, have, we'll have her on uh, at least every other year, right? That is true what you said about nonprofits, though. People do think that. They think that if they have a nonprofit that they, they – some people think, you know, initially that they can't get paid anything. Oh, it's crazy. You know, that Not it good. all has to go back in. Well, if that was the case, there'd be no nonprofits because people right. still have to eat. So – Yes. Yeah. And you're allowed and to if you eat. look at the – Amazing. Big nonprofits like uh, American Red Cross. I'm sorry, but their CEOs making money. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's and, been an so issue you... in the past. And having been ten years with the Red Cross, you know, their CEO making a lot of money. You know, right. was a, has been an issue in the past. But I, what's good though is now there's IRS standards that say that you know your labor can't exceed fifty percent, and I think that that's good. So you always have to make sure you're making enough money to increase the wages of your staff. But if your expenses go over fifty percent, the IRS kind of looks at you and says, "What are you doing?" Yeah, it's supposed to go back into programming. So that's good to have. At those this rules point, in the, place. the government still allows you to eat. But we'll yes, see. Yeah, they that's... do. We'll see about the future. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what what's going to happen in the future. But I'm glad Who you knows? get paid, Christy. You work really hard. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. My family appreciates that. Yeah, too. I mean, you're never home. You came home yesterday. You're leaving tomorrow. You are never home. Well, uh, only really this time of year. This time of year is rough. February through May um, is truly the travel time. But then, you know, in the summer, everyone's so busy working. Nobody bothers me then because uh, there's no conferences yeah. to go to or whatever. Which is nice because so, it's beautiful in Denver in May <laughs> or in the yeah, summer. And then I so. get to be with my family because they're off school, right? Yeah. So it all works out. Ah, cool. Well, where can people find all the information about the Certified Horsemanship Association? 
Yes. If you want to find a clinic to attend um, or a workshop, which is truly just education, not certification, or if you're interested in one of our regional conferences we chatted about or our big international that's coming up in October in uh, Houghton, New York, right outside of Buffalo, you're all invited. Please come. We love to have you all. And our email, sorry, our website address is cha.horse or chainstructors.com. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. Very good. And of course, you can find the past episodes of this, of the certified CHA. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's what you want to search for. If you go to horsesinthemorning.com and search for CHA, you'll find all the past episodes or go down to the middle of the homepage at horsesinthemorning.com and you'll see the CHA banner. Click on that and it'll bring you to a page with all the past episodes. And when we say all the past episodes, there's probably a hundred. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of them now, so it's been many, many, many years. And, you know, all the information is still evergreen. It's still good. You can go listen to it. It's not dated. You know, what we talk about is usually uh, is usually training-related or horse-related somehow, and that information is still good now as it was five years ago. So one of the advantages to a podcast that a lot of people forget about is you can listen to the back catalog at any time. You can't do that on a radio show. You can't even do that in most TV shows. With us, it's all there. Just go to the website and listen. And you can do that on your phone or you can do it on your computer, wherever you want to do it. So don't forget about that back catalog. We have people listening to past episodes all the time. And listen in the car. That's a good way to spend your time and be safe. You won't be texting that way. I just saw a new report today. Where would you guess most people listen, at home or in the car, to podcasts? I would guess in the car. That's what I guessed. But at home, it's 48% and the car's 22%. Wow. Okay. Well, very good. As so, you're cleaning your house, you're listening. I like that. Uh, in our case, it's 48% are cleaning stalls while they're listening. And we're probably <laughs> the only podcast network in the world that can say that. So, I love that. <laughs> so while you're shoveling, enjoy the rest of your day. We appreciate you being here. We'll be back tomorrow. Jamie will be here on Horses in the Morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Thanks a bunch, Christy. Thank you, Glenn. Bye.